Hi everyone, this is Harshit Bharadwaj. Welcome to my podcast, The S Effect. Today I have a very interesting guest, Neil De Silva. Hi Neil, welcome to my show. From Hello Harshit, pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Neil, those uh, rare few who don't know who Neil De Silva is, Neil De Silva is uh, author of multiple best-selling books, the latest being Yakshini and Haunted. Uh, his journey started not very long back, 2015, I, th- I think, yeah? Yes, yes, that's, that's right. That's when you first self-published your first book, uh, Maya's New Husband on Amazon. Yeah. And that shot to the best-selling uh, uh, ranks right away. And um, since then, you haven't looked back. You are one of the most prolific authors that I know in India. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you're sticking to a very specific genre. People call it horror. Technically, it would be supernatural, uh, paranormal, thriller. Yes, even psychological. You know, there are a lot of sub-genres within that scope that I am exploring. Exactly. Basically, right horror. Yeah, dark fantasy or dark fiction is what, you know, you could describe it better as. I've also written on some stuff. You know, like psychological horror is not really considered horror in India yet. But we will get when we are discussing. Yep, okay. Yeah, so, Neil... We, we know each other for, for some time, so I have the benefit of uh, understanding a lot of uh, his life and his methods. This is what I'm trying to share in this podcast. I'll, when, I, when I talk to authors or specifically best-selling authors, I hope you don't have uh, anything against that tag. Some people feel a little, um, you know, they uh, don't, don't play this vanity with us calling us best-selling authors. It's more it's of a marketing thing. It's a marketing, it's a compliment. It's a selling. I would take it as that, thank you. Take that but then, the term best-selling is a very misunderstood term. What does it really mean? Because whether it in terms of, because when you talk about selling, you are often talking about numbers. But mm-hmm. then today we have so many platforms. We have the physical stores, we have the online stores, then we have... Uh, library reads so we don't really uh, we cannot really keep track of numbers any longer so we go by certain parameters like maybe an amazon rank a listing rank or something like that so my have had the benefit of always being in the top on the amazon ranks so that is how people started calling me as you know that b word that you are mentioning and uh, Amazon really, uh, I mean, actually it lists these titles as uh, Amazon bestsellers. So therefore that that comes in from there. So that's how it works for me. So I do not have any objection to it. I'm not on it a lot. So it is there. I mean, it's a fact. Just like my belief in the paranormal. I neither deny the existence of ghosts, nor do I harping about their existence. What is there is there. That's that's a very smart statement you made. We'll come to that uh, later in the show. I have a very specific question towards that. So what I would want to start with is, uh, most people when they look at successful authors, now again successful you might say that it's a subjective term, but somebody who has proven his worth uh, commercially as well as in terms of uh, uh, the field he is in, so people look at them and uh, for example when I or when uh, I looked at Sachin Tendulkar playing that beautiful exquisite cover drive mm. uh, look at people look at Neil De Silva's name on one of his books you know and Neil De Silva everywhere and they're like wow he's successful so when people generally even look at people who have made it mm-hmm. think they are he's he or she is lucky He's mm. made it, you know, it's so lucky they're in the right place at the right time. If I look at your your life, you published your first book in 2015 and barely four or five years later, uh, you were in the thick of things. So people generally do not consider what went behind those uh, years of uh, success. They don't understand that behind that beautiful exit exit cover drive that Sachin makes, there are hundreds, thousands of millions of hours of practice for you. 
all that he sacrificed to get to that stage what goes behind what went behind neil de silva's journey when he started maybe not maybe definitely when you started you were like everyone every aspiring author out there right and every journey starts with that place that i call the acute phase of adversity mm-hmm. i also use the term shithole where you don't know which direction to move towards even it is literature and i'll give you a couple of examples for example uh, even in ramayan lord yeah. ram when sita was <coughs> kidnapped yeah he was in the middle of the jungle and he didn't know what to do so yes. that's how his quest started he knew that the goal is to find her and get her back but he had no idea what to do which direction to move towards how to make it happen hmm. and there is any any epic you look at arjuna at the start of kurukshetra war in the middle of it he's like he prepared for that war for years and years and he was looking forward to it right hmm. before it starts he's like he yes. don't know what to do he puts down his gandhi when he's like uh, i'm feeling so nervous and shithil i can't do anything i don't know what to do i cannot go ahead and kill all these people who have lived with my entire life so that is that is that is the uh, starting point mm-hmm. right yes i would want to take us back to that phase where you kind of knew where you wanted to go Mm. but I had no idea okay step okay so there will be a long version of this answer as well as a short version the see the thing is these times as you said uh, as in the examples you gave that mm. you know people have been practicing for this the millions of hours of effort that you put in and stuff mm. like that mm. so it is with us also so for me there was one moment of epiphany as you call it that one moment where i felt like i should give up everything and i should focus on writing uh so let me take you through my journey because that is what will put this into perspective hmm. so harsh when i started i think the first time that i started reading and uh, reading with the great interest was when i was in grade 7th and 8th that okay. was the period when i actually started before that it was comics and all and in 7th and 8th i started uh, i graduated on to novels and i read all kinds of books my dad was a very big inspiration to me at that time he was a big influence because he was the person who would collect any book which he would find interesting any book so if mm-hmm. we, uh, we had one room that was entirely filled with books from top to the bottom so that kind of atmosphere i was growing up in and i used to pick up the books from him and there was no censorship in my house at all so it was never like don't read this book this book is for you nothing like that so i was free to go and pick up whichever title i wanted somehow i used to pick up the darker ones like dracula frankenstein because my dad had those books mm. and that is where i felt like okay these are interesting worlds and maybe somewhere i felt even at that tender age that i can create these worlds and i used to like most of us uh, you know authors have done in their childhood i used to also type out stories and i used to give it to my friends and you know it was well received mm. it was also a time my dad was a, uh, he used to work with the movies uh, mm. he used to subtitle movies mm. uh, this was his part time job not his full time uh, profession so he used to take up uh, hindi scripts and he used to translate them into english uh, for the overseas markets this you this was the 90s i think the late 80s and the early 90s so a lot of these people the producers big time producers of those times their movies used to go through our house mm-hmm. and had all clients including the ramses which again uh, i used to read the scripts i used to assist my dad at that time i was a, i was still in school but mm-hmm. uh, i used to make me sit and understand the process and those were the times of distraction so i used to also sit and enjoy it so this is where this was one phase of my life when i was growing up as a child i was completely uh, surrounded by stories and books mm. then what happened is my dad lost his job okay now this was when i was on the verge of completing graduation okay. so when he lost his job 
that time it was not so easy to find another job and he was just he lost his job because he retired it was not any other reason for that my dad there was a big age gap there was a big age gap between my dad and me mm. so i was quite young and then we had practically no source of income at that time i am talking about this could be the 1992 93 that time so we had no source of income so someone suggested that you know why don't you start giving tuitions at home to my dad my dad was good he was very uh, well educated and also he took up that and now my assistance of my dad it mm. also changed earlier i used to assist him with movies that had also stopped and now mm. i started assisting him in giving tuitions and teaching mm. and then that grew so when i finished my graduation i started a coaching class of my own this was in mumbai mm-hmm. in class i remember the day i established it it was in 1998 mm-hmm. 19th of march so this was immediately after i finished my post graduation i finished my uh, exam of post graduation part 2 Mm. Uh, on the 19th of may and on 19th of may i had the udghatan ceremony of my coaching class okay okay and i already had a batch waiting so we had about 100 students in the first year itself because i had been teaching at home and also what happened mm. is her 18 years of my life i gave mm. to that class mm. i used to teach all subjects and it was okay. like i used to go in the mornings and just come right at night at mm. 9 o'clock or later than that and mm. uh, we did very well as a coaching class but the thing mm. is there was my passion was completely stifled you know i did not i did not even think that okay once i had this knack of writing and once i used to write i used to enjoy it i was totally going with the flow mm. so it went on for many years and i did not even realize in the beginning i enjoyed teaching i still do and okay. let myself go completely into it i got so immersed with the teaching thing that mm. i completely got the other side of my life Mm. they happened uh 2013 around okay 2013 so this was the time when there was a there was a bug you know it was eating me from within so mm. it had been coming slowly slowly over the years and now it started festering like in 2013 and mm. uh, i started feeling okay so there was another aspect of my life am i meant to do this all of all you know for the remaining years am i just going to teach students and that too it was not a school it was a coaching class so not that mm. reputation so mm-hmm. then there were these students who come to me they get good marks they go to all different places in the world get great jobs but what mm. about me i'm just mm-hmm. stuck at you know coaching class so uh. i this moment and uh, we were in goa my wife i and the kids mm. and i spoke to her like you know this is really bugging me this was the first time that i opened out to her mm. and uh, i told her that i don't know i'm not interested i'm not enjoying this teaching thing anymore and mm. uh, that is also affecting the class because i used to teach a lot of subjects so it was also affecting the class the student numbers were also going down mm. so i took and then she told me that if then what do you want to do instead so i said that see i want to actually you know do something that will stay on in this world you know even after i go this is exactly what i told her hmm okay i told her that that i want to do something and then she was like i, I like you know are you a person with that great ambition and i said yes i think i am because so far i did not know but as i was analyzing myself over all those years in 2014 i sure and i actually stated it to my wife that i am this guy who has this ambitions and mm. i do not you know just disappear when the coaching class goes away or when i go away from this world i don't want to do that i want to leave something behind and i think i can create stories and mm. i wanted to so then she she did not even pause to think she told mm. me right there that if you want to do that then do that write your book and mm. i will fully support you because i told her at that time see if we give up this coaching class which is our financial support at this moment mm. because even past on everything was now me okay mm. so she said that if you want to do that do it and uh, i will take up a job and mm. uh, you continue your writing and we gave it a year we gave it a year we planned things so mm. in that or what actually happened is i wrote my book i wrote my as new husband in the diwali vacation for that year and mm. i released it and mm. it uh, reached the best best seller spot as you mentioned 
Mm. And when at that time, you know, all these uh, reviews started coming in, people started calling me for things and stuff. Mm. And then I thought, yes, this is something I can do. This is something that people appreciate me doing. I was also confident now. And then within that 2015, that academic year we finished. And mm. in 2015, wrapped up our coaching class. So this this was my moment that it was in the beach of and it was a moment of you know as you mentioned the moment of adversity mm. I would adversity has been there in my life throughout okay so mm. the thing is throughout in this sense we never were wanting for money it was never mm. like that but mm. see everything was depending on me being the eldest son in the family and then mm. it was a coaching so it was like if you remove me from the equation then uh, the coaching class would not have stood so mm. that was kind of thing and uh, also when 2014 came when the time came when i was feeling uh, creatively dissatisfied that mm. was a very difficult time of my life because i was uh, i was staying in low moods i was also snapping at <laughs> all those things were happening mm. Mm-hmm. But I did not have to go to any counselor for that because I knew what my problem was. And the moment I made the move, mm. I am in a happier frame of mind. I, I and my age was fourteen, thirty-nine to be precise. Okay. And I and switched over to writing. So the midlife crisis is not a myth. Yes, it is not a myth. <laughs> but it really has happened with me. I have spoken on a TEDx platform about it. So this is something, and uh, people have covered me as a guy who made that change at forty. Because I think forty is the age where you reassess your life. I I actually believe in that. Even you know, you stand and you look from a different non non inertial frame of reference as to where you are going. Is it correct or not? Yeah, I can I can tell you I'm going through that. It's my 40th year, mm-hmm. and I've been doing that for last some months. Yes. Hmm. So, a couple of things uh, jumped out of, of that conversation. Mm-hmm. In terms of the emotion, you talked about that you want to leave a legacy. You don't just want to you know carry on doing this and then something that is not permanent. Yes. Uh, that thing about legacy and that thing about expressing your creativity or expressing what you want to say mm-hmm. and giving it out to the world mm-hmm. is yeah. is that a strong emotion because you talked about your father working anonymously as a subtitlist yes and uh, so many movies around the world went out and he basically worked worked as an obscure uh, obscure a part of an industry that you know that revels in celebrityism and fame and name and all that credits right right was that somehow at the back of your subconscious that you want to change that you don't want to uh, um, you know maybe what your father couldn't complete maybe he wanted to you know i don't know whether he wanted to be right but he wanted to write for films or he wanted to write or maybe he wanted to see you as as somebody who will take it forward make it bigger is is that that emotion somewhere propelling you at that time i don't know really means see you can never uh, go away from your father you know the thoughts mm. of your father will never leave you and mm. what influences he built up the thing is that when i was a child and when i was reading those scripts and whatever i was assisting him mm. i never realized the kind of education that he was giving me at that time i never realized that in mm. fact even i was in the coaching class in discipline mm. i never gave it a thought that you know that is shaping me in some manner or influence mm. in me i never thought about that mm. and it was also a kind of reversal because when i started the coaching class my dad used to assist me in teaching there so when i used to assist him earlier now he used to assist me so it, we were always together so that emotion was never there like uh, but i felt hurt i did feel hurt about it a lot of time my dad was at a, the lowest chain of uh, what yeah. should i say there were a lot of agents in between Exactly that's what I am trying to get to right? yes, you felt yes. that he deserved more than he got definitely deserved more because the thing that he subtitled some of the greatest movies which are blockbusters you know the, yeah. the movies that we still watch 
movies that stood in the theaters for years and years those who were all subtitled by us but mm-hmm. the thing is we never uh, had a name in the credits and uh, there was always an agency that uh, the people yeah. worked for that agency that person used to come to our house so my dad never has met a producer in his life my dad was a very special person because even though he worked with the film industry he could not identify the actors because mm-hmm. for him that did not matter he did not watch the films that he edited as a title yeah. okay he didn't even watch them because he was not interested in that part of it he was that visual part of it he was more interested in the script in the mm. text mm. and that area where he worked and when he worked on that when he made the script perfect in english which was what his job was then he washed his hands of the film then he did not ever know about what it is so mm. like my dad has also subtitled uh, I don't know whether I should name it or not because his name was not in the credits. But you know, matter. yeah, he will never associate. He would never do that. Mm-hmm. And we have the film books. We have all the film books in our house because in those days we used to get film books, mm-hmm. songs and all printed, and the posters of the films. I have still kept about thirty, forty of them. Okay. So, those are still there but that was the kind of thing so i did feel yes he is yes. getting short because even money wise it was very low payment mm-hmm. and just sitting in the corner of his room and doing this so mm-hmm. that is that feeling is there harsh but i, I don't know that has actually influenced me no i'm sure subconsciously that that somehow propelled you because you wanted sure you knew that your father deserved more and uh, somehow you're going to change that you won't what you, was, won't, you won't let that happen to your life yeah, you know one one of the things that he told me the last things that he told me when he was practically on his deathbed in fact one day before his death mm-hmm. uh, i had gone to meet him uh, because I'm, i i used to live in another house by then mm-hmm. so going to meet him one day before so at that time he was sitting in bed on his bed he was delirious so he mm-hmm. did not know the people that were talking to him and that kind of thing mm. but in that he recognized me of course uh, he never lost uh, recognition of me mm. and he told me suddenly in a very strange manner mm. that you know one thing i have not completed in this life and mm. that thing i wanted to write a book he actually told me that see so, okay yeah this was 2010 when he mm. passed he mm. said on mm. 2011 in fact because he passed on 1st january 2011 mm. so this new year's day now the eve so mm. he told me that i wanted to write a book and then mm. i also came that do you have a story in mind mm. then he said yes i have a story in mind that he gave me some outline that outline was completely out of his delirium you know he was mm. not in a so he told me something which you know i could not make out what he was telling also but some mm. character when they spoke about and that was the last thing that we spoke that was it mm-hmm. and then he passed from the stage mm-hmm. i like uh, okay dad has gone cold come home so when i mm-hmm. he had already passed okay my relation with him was that he wanted to write a book which you have then which you have uh, fulfilled but i don't know where it was whether it was connected or not because i had always wanted to write a book so regardless it's definitely collected neil it's definitely i see i i didn't know that this is what your dad wanted but i told you that maybe he wanted to write a script or a book yeah because your life i mean all of us our lives lives are extensions of our past i agree with that it's up to it's up to us how far can we carry them and um, so pardon me if i uh, stepped on on to your personal very personal affair uh, very personal life but i need to know that i have also you know posted about this thing because i am not uh, a very uh, what they say a person who likes to keep things close to his heart i always like to share so even it is something very personal I do talk about it because I don't know somewhere it might strike a chord with somebody. It might help somebody. Some people just today someone messaged me that you don't know the posts that you are making. They actually are inspiring stuff, and I have taken up writing because of just reading your posts. We have never interacted, but today I felt like coming and telling you about this. So I think people's journeys are very unique, and yeah. uh, something is always there to learn from them. 
That's why Maya's new husband, my protagonist, or you could say antagonist, is a serial killer. Because that is one thing that uh, really spooks me out—the terror within the human. Hmm. Okay. I created the worst kind of person, the person who had no uh, compunction in killing, in cutting people, or whatever it is, or hmm. all that is. So that is that is me facing my fear. I because when I was writing those scenes. I mm. would not be able to write when it was complete sanata in the house. Mm. I used to, guys, to. So there were times when I have just shut down my computer and then gone to sleep because I could not finish a scene, just because I could not write that kind of stuff. Mm. That is an outpouring of uh, everything that I had. So I mm. challenged myself to the limits. And then when I wrote these paranormal uh, books mm. recently. Mm. Actually, the stories of Sarbajit Mohanty, which I'm working on now, they mm. are so scary. I mean, again, I felt that after so many years, mm. that that you know, I like he gives me these audio narrations of mm. the stories. So when I listened to his first story for that night, I had a nightmare. In ages, I had not had. Mm. First time, I could actually see that haunted tree, which he describes in the story. Mm. So. But now I'm not afraid of those things. Now if they tell me that okay, come with us to Kolkata or Bangalore or anywhere, I would go Aramsi because I don't feel that fear now. So mm. I have conquered a lot of my fears through my writing. Mm. It has cathartic, and I tell this to my readers also that you mm. know don't shun horror. Don't say horror. Mm. Like I am a very big fatu. I will not read horror. It doesn't work that way. Take it as it. Read it and see. It will find a new dimension to it. Mm-hmm. You'll have to face your fears anyway. I mean, whatever your fear is, that's why I think your books have um, such a such an emotional connect. Yes. They're not just words on the page. Yes, as you said, you know, if you are scared, I feel that a brave person cannot write horror. Somebody who is not scared of anything, okay. I don't know what kind of horror they would write because because I'm scared of so many things. I can vividly describe my fear. And that is what projects uh, onto my characters, and then passes onto the readers. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with that thought. You know that it is first the author who has to feel it. Because just think about it: if an author is not romantic, if an author does not experience love, how can he yeah. write a love story? That, mm-hmm. So it works for horror as well. If you are not frightened of anything, how can you write a horror story? Mm-hmm. That brings me to that Stephen King reference you gave me because whenever I he's my favorite uh, even though I I'm not into that genre a lot but I I have read most of his books mm-hmm. I when I first read your book uh, Haunted Yakshini some bits of Maya's new husband yeah and talking to you understanding your perspective on on this genre about writing your prolificness the way you just carry on uh, doing this you just finished a collection of short stories in the lockdown i did yeah so somehow i i i, I would call you that you are probably the best stephen king disciple in india somebody <laughs> who's carrying forward his tradition in india and i give his example to every aspiring author that i think the mark of the great author any great author is his prolificness Yes, there are some exceptions, obviously. But if you are an author, or if you are a painter, or a musician, whatever, you would be prolific because you want to carry on doing it. You will, you will never be bored. Yes, right. So yes. the body of work will is, is very important. So there were times when my uh, people, my well-wishers, they tell me, "Do not put so much, so many books out. Do not, do not put so mm-hmm. many stories out because it might be, you know, a kind of what is the word for it? People might get uh, just bored reading your stuff. You might face a burnout. The so things mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But then I even that because even if you see the great painters of our times, they never yeah. stopped painting. They were okay. prolific. Stephen King. Yes. So prolific, like there was always there were two books from him every year without fail, yes. and this he has been doing it dedicatedly since I think 50 years. I don't know mm, the exact 50, 50 years, yes, 50, more than that if not less. Yeah. And then there were people like there's Jeffrey Archer who also inspired me. Definitely not horror, but I loved his work. I still do, and uh, he is also somebody who is constantly putting out books even after so many years, and. Uh, 
we have so many names Janet Blight and Jane Austen Austen then yeah. none of them stopped at a, you know a few books they always put out a lot of content because once you have readers i believe that you have a responsibility to keep giving them work or uh, your creations because mm-hmm. that is how that, that is now doing a fair justice now if i have a reader who has read a book of mine and then mm-hmm. that reader that okay i want to read more stuff from you but if mm-hmm. i tell that okay, they are the only books i have then it is somewhere i feel that it is unfair so you need to have a body of work that they can enjoy so that is what i want to create and uh, stephen king has done a lot of phenomenal stuff and the way that his books are adapted to screen not just once but repeatedly hmm a definite master of oh, he's the master he's a master he's unbeatable Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's, he's written he's written so much about writing as in that book uh, on writing on writing which Fantastic. i have enjoyed so to reach that level uh, is of course uh, it's not just uh, that you have to have a very good skill at writing it's not yes, just that yes exactly on that because each book is better than the previous each book is better than the so i agree with that totally because i'm seeing that in my journey i have just started just 5 years and even in this short time i'm seeing that the books that i'm writing now are you know maybe narrative wise or language wise or construct wise better than what i had in 2015 mm-hmm. so that keep you have to be dedicated without that it doesn't come yeah i think it's stephen king who said that somebody asked me which is your favorite book which is your best book mm. and he said the next one Hmm, obviously that makes a lot of <laughs> he believes in that and consider that he wrote four manuscripts before the first one uh, got sold to an agent yeah he carried on writing despite lot of rejections and all that so lot to learn from his life and as i said you are his true disciple in india so people in india should take yeah. a lot still lot of lessons from your life yeah you know? right. okay i I had this question about ghosts which you have uh, partly answered anyway. Mhm. I'll still ask it because it's one of those uh, questions that must be asked from Neil de Silva. <laughs> do, do you believe in ghosts? Uh I would not say that I don't believe nor would I say that I believe because see life experiences are such that mm. there have been instances where i have been utterly utterly scared of something totally inexplicable that has happened in my surroundings mm-hmm. that i have uh, do be despite of uh, the fact that i am a post graduate and i have worked with formulas and stuff all mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. i could not rationalize a few things that happened to me okay for right. it usually happens when i am uh, uh, writing when i am writing or creating or outlining a story Mm. sometimes i get some very dark stuff and then it actually happens that i <coughs> visually can see those things and i'm not just talking about imagination here mm-hmm. there was one instance when i had just heard a story from a paranormal investigator friend of mine so of mm. course i was in mental state where i had that kind of thing but i came home and in the middle of the night when i woke up i actually saw a black presence in the room like it just mm. happened very recently so that actually these kinds of things have happened a lot i have seen uh, black presences smoke sudden uh, smells coming you know in the house suddenly mm-hmm. there was burning mm-hmm. smell when i woke up it was uh, again around uh, 3 am time and uh, mm-hmm. i woke up and there was this smell of burning flesh in the house this okay. was sometime back uh, and at that time i was not writing a horror story or anything means i was in a time you know that passive state stage mm-hmm. burning smell i in fact i was and that burning smell usually mm-hmm. when there is a smell or something like this i get up and investigate because the thing is in the night you don't know you may have kept your gas on or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. but there was really scared i don't know why it frightened me and i did not want to get up and go and look but then mm-hmm. because it was smell somehow i got up and i checked everywhere in the house there was mm-hmm. no possibility for that smell because all the windows were closed everything was closed no electric wire in my houses you know mm-hmm. old or that it may create such a thing and this was a, i'm talking about a smell of rotting flesh you know the kind of uh, smell that mm-hmm. you get when if you have that mosquito bat and you okay. the mosquitoes with that then that smell which mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. yeah 
that okay. that there was some mm. thing was happening so this these kind of incidences have happened and mm. i when these instances happen they happen to all of us we all have that uh, experience where you know you you are a sound behind you or something like that but the mm. second aspect of it is more important and that is fear so mm. if you frightened of those things then mm. you know something is uh, not as it looks then you know that means uh, if suppose i get a burning smell in the middle of the day i won't be frightened so then i know that it is not a paranormal experience or something like that but if i get it in the middle of the night it is mm. accompanied with fear and that plays on in the mind and you think that okay this is something so coming mm. back to the question see i have had this so i will not say that you know um, we don't know what is out there that is what i will say we don't know our knowledge is not absolute we yes. human usually try to think that we know everything about this world mm-hmm. but it we don't know even 1% of what the universe might actually want to convey and what do we mm-hmm. know of the things means apart from the things that we know what mm-hmm. else do we know we don't know it we don't know what is beyond our knowledge and what if there were other creatures there i don't really be aliens okay aliens should definitely be there because it would be foolish to say that aliens do not exist for example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the i do not think that this is the only dimension that is there there will be multiple dimensions and we don't know what exists in the dimensions but mm-hmm. so we have no proof of it we don't have, we have only theories we have conjecture some of these theories are very strong irrefutable mm-hmm. because i work with such people so i know that they are irrefutable but at the same time yeah. i will go and put out that okay ghosts are definitely there or i will mm-hmm. not say keep it in mm-hmm. this gray that it will be arrogant of us to take mm-hmm. a stand on mm-hmm. maybe because we are not we are not qualified enough we are not qualified it will be our okay. arrogant to say that we yeah that is not, uh, it's the same thing with the alien theory we are not uh, scientist enough to yes. say that but as i mentioned to you that i interviewed somebody recently and they talk about a complete system Mm. complete tradition under uh, uh, the consultants under sanatan dharma they have a complete system they can they have categorized and defined each entity so yes. conversation that we are having it's like a laughing matter for them yes so i don't know uh, um, for us it's an unknown entity which we cannot identify or believe uh, believe but if the presence is felt then it probably is so while writing my books even i have researched on certain entities and all i am also aware of all the names mm-hmm. of the entities mm-hmm. but even with that you know th- that is now a very hard a steadfast belief that okay there are these when they believe it to such an extent that they have even uh, built a mythology around it yeah, a cultural complete system complete name. system yes so but again we come back to the same question like whether mm-hmm. those creations should our part reality or not that is mm. something we are still not sure of and i don't think that we should be so uh, rigid on either side of the fence yes yes absolutely we are better off uh, staying on this side yes definitely so ghost ghosts or unknown the unknown that we cannot define you have experienced them we all have experienced them and your fiction yes. comes from true emotions of fear that you've experienced yourself it's not uh, purely fiction it it cannot be fictitive if you don't experience those emotions so it makes sense on that note i'll ask you a very clear practical advice for aspiring authors looking to get ahead in their careers as published authors so what would you say for example if i have a manuscript or let's say i'm writing a manuscript hmm. how should i plan my my career Think in publishing the first and the only thing that a writer needs to know is that you have to totally dedicatedly and devotedly work on it write it and finish it because the thing is most of the people that i talk with most of these aspiring writers they tell me that okay we have an idea in mind we have an idea mm-hmm. in mind telling me that yeah. since here but yeah, why yeah. don't fully sit down and start writing it what mm-hmm. is the fear of not starting it uh, mm-hmm. some people rejection some people fear that mm-hmm. it will be a trap and they will be ridiculed some people mm-hmm. just think that 
very huge and huge work that will never get finished but remove all these fears from mind sit down at your computer and dedicatedly write it write it purely like you are telling a story to someone and uh, that first draft the first draft of every author is unpublishable including mine including the greatest mm. names of the world that you take so the first mm. draft is all unpublishable and i work on at least 6 to 7 drafts but the mm. challenge is always hard to get the first draft out once you have get the first out you can decorate it and correct it and rectify it in as many ways as you want but that mm. is what i Hiring authors, everybody. I just met a guy in Delhi when I was mm-hmm. when I came to you last time. So mm-hmm. that person told me, I am in a job and uh, I know that I am not dedicated, but I want to finish my novel. So I told him that you are answering your own question. You are telling dedicated. <laughs> so you know you just have to make time. That's it. Make time. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. has enough time. Now in the times of lockdown, we have actually seen that we can finish our work also. We can be with mm. our family. Also. We still have some time left for following mm. our creative passions. So why not mm. we do it in a regular life too? Why only in the lockdown we feel that we have time? We have it all the time. We just look at it. Yeah. So you'll do it if you want to do it. It's the end of the story. Get the book done. Get it written. Finish it. Finish and then it. think about publishing or anything else. And one more thing I do not understand is how people can stay for years and years with the same idea. I cannot mm-hmm. because ideas get old in our own mind, and yeah. we we ourselves try to feel, uh, tend to feel that okay, this idea may not be good. Let me abandon it. So the longer you stay with an idea, the worse mm-hmm. it is found in your own mind. So I give mm-hmm. any idea a period of six months. Within six months of an idea striking me, uh, I have to write down another book. If I don't, then it is like. You know, gone. Then I will not go back to it again because I know that I will see that idea in retrospect mm. as a bad. It has just mm. stagnated. You know, it's become old. So that's what I yeah, think. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Good. That's the as practical as you can get. Get the book done. Don't worry about publishing. Don't worry about anything else. If you want to write, just write. How difficult is is that? Totally. ंगस Mm-hmm. That's a good advice. That's a very good advice. Most people I meet who are aspiring authors, they are worrying about publishing before even they've written anything. And yours is a very good example. You published your first book, self-published your first book, and I think this short story collection that you just published in the yeah. lockdown, "Wearing the Roses," that is also on Amazon. That is also, that is self, yeah. But that I still have right. People do come to me also. I have mm-hmm. this big. Also, so that happens if you are dedicated. People see that dedication in you. Mm-hmm. So the first time around, you have to get it out, whatever it takes. Exactly. Publisher or no publisher, the first thing is the manuscript done. Yes, yes, totally. Cool. So what's the next work we are going to see? A script you've written for a Netflix okay. series, is it? Yes. So I have two books coming out shortly. Mm-hmm. I mean, with. Yeah, both of them are with Paranormal Investigators. They are co-authored. One is okay. with Hashit. It is uh, the spirits talk to me of Paranormal Investigator stories. And another book, the Rupa, that is uh, Ghost Whispers. So that is kind of a handbook of paranormal phenomena. I'm talking, mm-hmm. I'm talking about near-death experiences and electronic voice phenomena and uh, all these kinds of things. And I am going in detail there. And experiences from paranormal investigators and various people that I have spoken to are in the book. Also, okay. we have see these concepts. They are mostly considered to be Western concepts, but mm. India not immune to these kind of phenomena. It happens here also. Many of these happen. So mm. I have also a very Indian perspective to those uh, phenomena, like how they happen here in our country. So it is a very unique book. This is Ghost Whispers, which will be coming out mm. with Dhruv. I just actually mm. finished. स्क्रिप्ट 
it's a five epi- five stories i have given because that's an anthology show uh, they are making these uh, stories from urban legends from different states of india so this is mm-hmm. my concept i pitched the concept to them they loved it mm-hmm. so we have a story from kashmir and we have a story from rajasthan so these are local mm-hmm. books or whatever you okay. say pre- mm-hmm. legend they are contemporized uh, to our with our modern characters it's a never before done show in india and a uh, major ott is going to take it up soon the producers have already signed in so this is right. something really looking forward to the stories are done completed we because of the lockdown things got pushed back um, mm. otherwise i have also started rolling fantastic so fun what a beautiful journey isn't it 5 years we were in the middle of uh, a major roller coaster which i'm um, pretty sure you're enjoying very much and those who are, now you can say you've been blessed but those who are listening as i said watching sachin play that cover drive they think oh he's blessed he's lucky but we've heard about uh, years of years of years of uh, going through those phases of adversity not knowing how to come out and when you decided one day in goa and you took a direction even though you didn't know what are the next 10 steps the first step is when that mattered took that first step and here you are only 5 6 years into it so i am very glad to be uh, friends with you to know you Thank better you. good pleasure and uh, i wish you uh, ever more success continued success in your writing journey inspiring other aspiring authors uh, terrifying readers <laughs> and audiences around the world not just in india and on that note i wish my uh, sincere gratitude for your time thank and you. best of luck for the journey okay it was a great talking to all thanks thanks a lot neil bye bye